Ladies and gentlemen, please take your seats. The show is about to begin. Thanks for listening to another edition of Cavs the Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Mallory Factor, and today I'm joined by Nate uh, Smith, David Wood, Robert Attenweiler, and Tom Pesic, and we are going to discuss, uh, with what is it now, about a month out, uh, the offseason and basically sort of the impending season uh, really just coming up on us. Um, today we're going to discuss what, you know, was this the biggest offseason in Cavs sports history? And go in through... Cleveland sports history. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Sorry, you're right about that. In Cleveland sports history, um, I mean, you know, the history has been sort of pretty much unhappy from there. Uh, but but we'll get to that in a moment. Um, what your favorite random Cavs related moment was of the summer? FIBA and whether or not you liked it and whether or not you thought it had any impact on the Cavaliers. Uh, some of these former Cavs or the Cav uh, expats and what you think is going to happen to them this season. Uh, Kevin Love and, you know, my obsession with him. No. And uh, whether or not he's going to be a monster on this team. And then a little bit, uh, some other sort of random, fun, popular culture topics. So guys, let's jump right into it. Nate, was this the biggest offseason in Cleveland sports history? This is the biggest offseason since the Browns drafted... uh, Oh, who's the running back? God, I'm Ernie Davis. Like, no, not Ernie Davis. <laughs> well, that was a pretty big offseason. No, you know who Jim, I'm talking Jim about. Brown? Jim Brown. Yeah. Oh, okay. Sorry. William Green. No, I had a brain. Yeah, Willie there. Green, Sorry. come on. No. Jim Brown. Biggest offseason since the Browns drafted Jim Brown. But I mean that's, you know, in hindsight. Do you I mean Well, you, that's everything is hindsight. <laughs> right, but this is foresight. We're not talking hindsight here. It is, no. I mean, I, I think this is the biggest offseason since in in over in what 50 60 in 50 years. All it's right. the biggest offseason in 50 years. Robert, you I don't know about that. Uh, Tom, all right, Tom, get in there. You don't think Wait, it is? It, it, Tom, you're just he was just about to say Robert, you're old. What would you like to say? That's, ex- that's exactly <laughs> what I was going to say. <laughs> Robert, you were alive then. Yeah, Robert, you were <laughs> alive in 1905. What? What? Exactly. Uh, Tom, take it over there. What were you going to say? Well, I'm not sure it tops the original LeBron lottery. I mean, it might, and oh, I'm not sure. Point. I mean, in recent memory, I mean, what the Indians did after that strike shortened season. I mean, they they created the most potent offense I've ever seen in in baseball. Won a hundred games. I mean, that was a crazy offseason. All those guys they signed. You know, bringing all they brought in all those pitchers and, and Eddie Murray and you know, and then of course they had uh, Manny Ramirez as a rookie. But it's it's up there. I'll give you that. But I, I just I don't know. It's kind of weird because I don't know how much credit you can give to the Cavs. You know, that's kind of the hard thing. Usually, when you think of free agency, you think of management, right? It's kind of like what were we able to do? You know, 
you know, you think of good free agency as being like coups, right? You got like a coup because you, um, you know, you landed some target. I mean, this was that in a sense, but it almost feels more like just this was LeBron that did all this. Well, so, but, oh, but Tom, Tom, you think? Well, come, <laughs> well, come on, come on, guys. Did LeBron rig the lottery? No, no. That's a good no. question. <laughs> I mean, no, like, come on, let's get that conspiracy did, did, theory. Did LeBron? Started. Did LeBron? Did LeBron? You know, create this cap space for the last four years. I think there are. So here's the thing, and uh, Robert, I'll get to you in a second. Um, I, I think the, the that you have to qualify this question, and Robert, I'm posing this to you from a fan perspective. Is this the biggest swing that a team has ever had? Probably, honestly, in the history of sports. I mean, this is a big swing. You're going from well, one of I mean, the worst teams to having one of the most potent, exciting offenses that everyone is going to want to watch. Yeah, I mean, I, w- the reason I would say this offseason is a bigger deal than the initial LeBron lottery is you're getting that player. You, well, you're getting that player at his peak. Right, you right. are not putting him on a team... With Darius Miles and Ricky Davis and Wait, Duane Wagner, you guys Wagner don't want that again. It's a job, and and then they followed that up by getting another top twelve, fifteen, top ten, wh- wh- however you're classifying Kevin Love. So yeah, I mean it is different in that this offseason has completely changed the face of this team from being, you know, e- even with LeBron, like exciting, but like there were. There were bigger question marks before the the Kevin Love move, and that really kind of created this home run for the for the offseason. Now, is it different than um, the offseason where the Celtics got Ray Allen and Kevin Garnett um, and added to Paul Pierce, which they already had, which is sort of similar to to what the Cavs did this summer? I I mean, we'll see. We'll see. They will have to win the championship in order for it to be bigger than that. So, you know, we've got to have a little bit of context with that. That Celtics offseason, very, very comparable to what we're talking about. Yes. Good, good point. But, David, let me ask you this because, I, you know, you, you and I are sort of the, uh, the most junior members in, in terms of age. <laughs> I'm just going to keep playing that card. Um, but really, you know, like, I, honestly, I, I can't really remember that many offseasons of past years in, 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 you know, a grander sense. But do you think remembering back to that 2000, that was what, 2008, Robert? Uh, 2000, well, yeah, it was the 2007 off season, 2008, when, uh, 2007, 2008, and then they won the, the 2008 title, the Celtics yeah. did. So thinking yeah. back to that, David, do you think that, um, I mean, compare the situations and just sort of like go into a little depth about what you what you think, because I I have some points, but I'm sort of interested to hear, you know, what what you think about it. I mean, this is like definitely the biggest thing for people like probably under 26, because like we had to talk ourselves into being excited for Antoine Jameson and like a past his prime version of Shaq, (laughs) you know, like that was like the biggest thing that's really happened to the Cavs from like my age, like watching basketball and actually understanding it. But I mean, from a grander perspective, in terms of like the impact, uh, let's talk uh, in popular culture and just in the general NBA fan. I mean, what do you what do you think? Do you think this is of a greater impact, or 
Oh yeah, definitely. Because people actually care about Cleveland again. Like they're going to watch our games. Like I guess people were always are caring about TV, but but were people caring about the Celtics? I'm talking literally just in terms of that Celtics comparison. Because honestly, uh, Robert, I'll agree with you. I think that that is probably the most apt comparison, at least in any of our lifetimes. But the I difference think- is that. None of those guys was clear cut the best player right. in and the that NBA. Was, that was what yeah. I was thinking. I think, like to me at right. least, the difference here is that you have. I mean, Kevin Garnett was at one point the best player in the NBA. He was not even close to his prime when he went to that Celtics team. And not only that, you have the oldest of the big three that are on this team is the guy that's in his prime, and he's actually in his prime. Kevin Love is still has room to grow. Kyrie Irving could become the next Chris Paul for all we know. I mean, I, I think you go ahead, David, the Celtics, like that was like kind of, they weren't built to last, but this Cavs team, like we could really like win a multiple titles in a row and like keep our team going for like a good six year period. That's I like, know. if <laughs> things work out right. Why, why are you laughing at that? I, I just, I don't know. I, the Cleveland fan in me just doesn't expect to win multiple titles. <laughs> you, you are one, wait, You are already waiting for the other shoe to drop. Can I, yeah, can I ask one, you, Tom? And that's a really be, good question. One would be fantastic. Yeah. Do you? And no, no. Just speaking purely from a fan perspective, forget your analytics. Forget the construction of this team. Are you willing to let your guard down and believe that you're going to win a championship with this team? Well, it's not about that. So I bet it is I'm about that. Excited. I mean, as a no, it's not. It's not for me because I'm really excited just to watch what I think will be fun basketball. Right, I'm excited but, to but see if, LeBron if, in Cleveland again. I'm not going to be disappointed. I mean, I will be disappointed. Yeah. I'm not going to be like heartbroken. It's not like before. It's not like 2008 through 2010 when the drum was beating for, you know, LeBron needs to go to a winner. And every single year was almost like if we don't win a championship, this could all come tumbling down. And sure enough, that's exactly what happened. And that exi- that anxiety permeated the fan experience for a long time. I would say for more than half of LeBron's tenure in Cleveland, that anxiety persisted and hung like a cloud over everyone's head. And I just, I don't see that now. I mean, I know some people will get anxious because he signed that short-term contract, but I believe him when, you know, what he said in the essay and what he's said since then, that look, this is a financial decision. I don't have the energy to leave Cleveland again. I'm bringing this, I mean, I he set it up now so that his, defining goal for the rest of his career is going to be to win a championship in Cleveland. And I don't, I really, this time don't think he's going to stop until he does that. So, right, right, so right. And the other answered thing, the question, wait really quickly, Nate, you just answered that question in the most backward way possible though, because what I asked you pure and simple was as a fan, are you willing and ready to believe and firmly invest your emotion in the Cavs winning a title? And you said no, but then you finished with the fact that you think that, He's gonna not stop until he wins one. And I, what I'm trying to say is, what I'm trying to say is, I'm not gonna go into this season thinking, oh man, if they start off five and five, like the world's gonna come to an end. I'm probably just gonna try to enjoy the ride a little bit, and you know that even if they get knocked out, you know, in the second round this year randomly, or they get knocked out in the finals, or it takes two or three years to to get to the promised land, if they ever do. That'll be okay for me this time around. I'm not going to be so you won't poisoned be torn if they by that. Never win. Oh, I will be if they never do. But okay, I thought you were asking like this no, no, year. No, no, okay. not, not just this year. But yeah, yeah. Okay, that's, that's all I was really wondering. Nate, go ahead. Sorry, I keep cutting you Well, and, and this is kind of, it's bigger than basketball. It, it's, mm-hmm. 
And that's the thing that's cool. different. And LeBron is this is a narrative in pro sports in America that is completely unique. I mean, no one has ever left his city and come back as one of the biggest stars in the world and said, we had a little bit of a technical difficulty there. Sorry for that. Uh, Nate, what were you saying? Sorry. Well, so what I was saying was uh, that this <laughs> LeBron to Cleveland transcends basketball. It's, it's not just about being a basketball player. It's not just about uh, making money. It's not just about, uh, you know, winning a championship. It's about raising the status of the place that he grew up in, the place he wants his kids to grow up in. And, you know, and it's already it's a, a narrative that is unique in North American sports. No one has ever left where they came from, come back the best player in the world and try to raise the level of, of where they came from. And now it's having effect on other players. They're already talking about Kevin Durant going back to Washington. And it really harkens back to me to the sports stars of the 60s that really became social uh, activists and and were social figures and, and leaders in their communities more than just pitchmen like the Michael Jordan area and era. And if LeBron can kind of aspire to that level, I, I think it's even more important than a championship. Robert, do you? I mean, do you do you think that if they don't win a championship, this off season becomes a lot less important than we thought? Um, I'm sorry. If we if if he doesn't win a championship, yeah. Uh, if this Cavs team under the LeBron tutelage era, whatever, does not win a championship, does this off season that we just all pegged at least as one of the most important become substantially less important for Cleveland sports history? Yeah, I, I mean, I mean, I, I, I think that they will. I don't know that it may not necessarily be this year. Um, the closer I get to being excited about seeing this team together, the more I convince myself that it certainly could be. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's there's hurdles to overcome, and you know, bad stuff can can happen to any team. I just think that. Um, it's. I mean, it's still. It's still going to be looked looked back on as being huge. I have a very difficult time believing that in the next, say, five years, the Cavs don't win two titles. Wow. Which is whoa, two. Wow. You are going out there, aren't you? Yeah. I mean, but but I mean, th- think about that. We have the best player in the game who is substantially better than substantially better. Than he was when he left. Um, I, I've, is, I've just is, been I've just been spending much, time for a. That uh, better, what's that? I mean, is he that much better? I know he's more polished. He's he's, <clears throat> he's much more efficient than he was before. At least when he was when we were in the finals before. Um, I was I was just watching for a, a piece I'm working on for Cavzine Five. Um, I'm rewatching the game four of the 2007 finals and LeBron is not efficient. LeBron is, it was, and game three was a close game. And, and, but this, the differences between the teams are just astronomical. 
And wow. Well, but there's yeah. a, but there's a even though that team made the finals, there's a huge difference between that 2007 team and the 2009 and 2010 team. And that's yeah, but a there's a huge LeBron. difference between the 2009-2010 teams and this team now. Even just Kevin Love with LeBron is bigger than any other supporting cast member he had on any of the other teams. All right, so guys, I have that's... another question. David, I want to ask you something. Short of the Cavs keeping Wiggins in that Love trade, could this offseason have gone any better from an NBA lineup perspective? Uh, if we were somehow able to get like them to throw in Gorgie Dang or something in that, oh trade, yeah, that'd be great. Just like so, like, awesome. like a bigger guy. Yeah, we but I mean, come on, that's that's a pretty minor move in the grand scheme of the but, NBA, right? But no, no having a like, rim protector would be really nice right now. Yeah, it's a, a non-Lou Amundsen rim protector. Oh yeah, yeah. You, <laughs> I was when I heard Lou Amundsen, I, I don't think I've seen him play in a couple of years, and then I read your bit about it, Nate, and I was like, what the heck? Why do we sign this I know, I, well, I read that, But too. the other thing is, you need bodies for training camp. I get that. You know... Yeah, Brendan, Brendan well, Haywood's body for training camp. Yeah. Uh, but, anyway. he's probably, but he's probably not a body for training camp. Like, he's he's been playing some five-on-five, but he's not going to... He's not going to be... Um, they, I was listening to Jason Lloyd's podcast today, and they said they expect he's moving ahead of schedule, but he's probably not going to be ready to fully participate in camp. So they still need they still need big guys to. <laughs> this conversation worries me roster. because we're talking maybe about maybe he'll be launching full court. Maybe he'll be launching full court <laughs> jumpers by December, just like uh, Bynum last year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that Bynum shot chart was the greatest thing to happen. Last year. But no, I mean, I, I see what Mallory's point is a little bit. I mean, and let's let's go through the off season, and it's just an amazing series of events. You got the Cavs win the lottery. They they take Andrew Wiggins. Kyrie signs an extension the very first day. Yeah. After all the the foo-for-all of last year where he wasn't going to sign an extension, you had Kyrie's posse, it was a done deal the minute it, the offseason started. Then you had tracking Dan Gilbert's plane down to Florida. <laughs> and then you which had... Was, which was real. That was real because... Yeah, he was really was going. funny about all the hysteria was all the... You know what seemed like "quote unquote" crazy Cavs fans were getting mocked like crazy by you know sort of the more national um, Twitter people with you know ten thousand followers to think they're hot stuff, and that was that was actually Dan Gilbert's plane. That's the craziest thing ever that that turned out to be totally true. Yeah, yeah, and then you had so they finally get LeBron after just that unbelievable week of tension, like, and then. You know, Mike Miller, James Jones. Then you've got another whole three, four weeks of Kevin Love madness. Yeah. After they sign Wiggins and and, me and all through that and, and and laughing at the same time yeah. with excitement and like terror. Then they sign. Then they sign Sean Marion. I mean, it was just. I don't ever remember even this. Even the Celtics thing had n- never had this yeah. many. Bo- Never had this many moving parts. The, the problem is, though, with the Celtics thing, and, and I'm just going to play devil's advocate for a moment. I, as much as I love Kyrie Irving and Kevin Love, there was never the history of the excellence that Paul Pierce, Ray Allen, and Kevin Garnett had. And look, again, I love, I love, love 
Kevin Love and obviously <laughs> Kyrie Irving, I know. But, I mean, it's true. Like, Ray Allen was already super elite. Yeah. Kyrie Irving is phenomenal. I mean, we'll get to the FIBA tournament in a moment. But, I mean, is it is it is is he as good as, as Paul Pierce, who was considered, what, the third fiddle on that team? Well, no, because LeBron is the Paul Pierce here. And Kevin Love and Kevin Garnett, Garnett's a superior player. Garnett's one of the historically great players. But and and were, possibly, I mean, he's up there with Bill Russell as a defensive player. For sure. And, and that's a, I think, something we could eventually talk about. But where, they were, but where they were at in their career was similar. I mean, they put up monster numbers for teams that weren't making the playoffs or were getting bounced in the first round. So the knock was there on Garnett, too, that he wasn't a winner and all this stuff. He didn't make his team better. And then you put him on a good team, and first year they win a title. And, uh, and they, you know, so I think there are a lot of similarities. And Ray Allen was never known as a good defensive player. He was an incredible offensive shooting guard in Seattle. And so I think Kyrie, I think there's actually a lot of similarities between the, you know, the quote-unquote big three there. And the uh, and what the Cavs, you know, I guess the top three players. Yeah. But what's exciting about the Cavs, which I guess this could be the next topic we get into, is the supporting cast. You know, the Cavs don't have chop liver guys four through like eight. They're actually pretty good. Right. Well, and that was what I was going to or was getting at before uh, Nate touched on it. I mean, c- could this team for what's here? Mike Miller, Kevin Love, Sean Marion, Kyrie Irving, obviously LeBron James, Tristan Thompson, Deion Waiters. I mean, is that? The, I mean, you forgot De- the Deli, third Deli best and player. Andy. Yeah, Deli and Andy. Eric Yeah. <laughs> I mean, do, are, are, is that the most like perfectly constructed team that any of us could come up with in our heads? You know, four months ago. I, Robert, yeah, why, don't you, why don't you touch on that first? Um. Yeah. I mean, I think that's that's one of the we don't really know the answer to like how Dion waiters is going to respond right, to just hypothetically speaking, obviously there are qualifiers to that, but yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I mean, hypothetically on paper, um, this is, this is great because you have, um, the best player in the game. You have veterans who have won to provide leadership and you, you still have a lot of young talent and young talent who presumably will get a lot better playing with uh, playing with LeBron and Kevin Love. Um, and I think that that's different than, again, to go back to, it's definitely different from the Heat, to go back to the Celtics, the difference is like, you know, they had Rondo, right? And so yeah. that was the, that was the sort of like rookie X card that really um, made that all work. And you could say that the Cavs have like a couple of Rondos where the Celtics had one. Um, and that would be waiters. That would be Thompson. And yeah, I mean, so, so yeah, the Cav, the Celtics had, uh, had a couple more guys. I mean, they had, uh, Peck. They had, they had Poe. They had, they had, uh, their center, the place where the thunder now, and, and the fact Kendrick that Perkins. his name is a very uh, good indication of how amazing he was. P.J. Brown was the guy that killed us. Remember the Rajon Rondo airballed floater that the Cavs were out of position, and P.J. Brown scored like 
four straight points to in that game seven or four straight passes. I I'll forgot P.J. Brown even existed until now. Yeah, so, I mean, they, they, they had P.J. Brown. They had Kendrick Perkins. They had, I mean, they had Leon. They had, they had, uh, they had, uh, the guy that was the unconscious gunner. What the heck was his name? D- didn't the they have, man. uh, didn't they have, um, what's his name? Uh, oh, God, uh, the, the defensive guy for the Grizzlies, um. <laughs> they oh, had, they had, uh, oh, you um, mean Eddie House? Tony yeah, no, they did have Tony Allen. Trick or treat, Tony. That's exactly what I was trying to think of. Um, Plus, they had Sam Cassell. Yeah, Sam Cassell and, I mean, my, and James Posey. Yeah, that team was my pretty loaded. Point is all right. Anyway, right. But my point is, I think that the Cavs are still more loaded. In, in in terms of top level talent, yeah, yeah. In, in secondary roles, right. Agreed. Well, and, and and while that team beat you up inside, the the this Cavs team has guards, incredible shooting, incredible, incredible shooting, and incredible and three good guards, and you know are too deep at every position, probably except center. Yeah, I mean, and if they get Ray, Ray Allen, I mean, the team can go 10, 11 deep. Okay, let me ask this. Yeah. But they're not, they don't have the defensive grit that that Celtics team had. Yeah, and they have a rookie coach, you know? Yeah. Did I mean, it, it could be some growing. Well, I, I guess I can understand. Guys, I, I want to I wanna show. We also need to keep in mind that there's left conservatives until after that season was are you? Are we, I'm. I'm skipping yes. out here. Are you guys all still there? Yep. All right. Good. Um, guys, let's move on to the next question, and it's about your favorite random Cavs moment of the summer because I think this ties into all of this. I mean, it's been a pretty wild summer. I don't know how many random three a.m. Probably not three a.m., but at least eleven p.m. conversations I've had with Nate, Tom, David, Robert, all of us. We've all had these random conversations, guys. David, I'll start with you. Your favorite moment of the Cavs offseason? Uh, I just thought it was hilarious when that stuff came out with uh, Wiggins telling Bill Self that he wanted to be traded. <laughs> it was just, uh, it was just so goofy because it was like you could see it in his head, like him trying to rationalize everything going on, and it's just, <laughs> I don't know, like he's he's like excited to be the man on a different team, but at the same time, it's one of those things where he knows, like it's not going to be the same thing as like getting to stay in Cleveland and possibly play with LeBron. Yeah. It's like, how do you rationalize saying I want to be traded from like the title contender to a historically awful franchise, right? <laughs> it's a really good one. Um, Tom, what's your favorite moment of the off season? Definitely you- reading LeBron's essay easily. Um, did you tear up when you read it? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. It was not, it's not at all what I expected. Like Nate said before, that was a rough week. Just lots of, it was a roller coaster of emotions and it got to the point where I sort of thought even if he did come back, it was going to somehow be tainted. And then I read that essay and I just thought like, wow, this is, I could, I, I mean, you couldn't have written a better, I mean, I think it's Charles Barkley said it best. He said something like, the best thing a jock's ever written. I think he said on a, on a podcast. It was pretty, pretty appropriate, I thought. Robert, favorite moment of the offseason? Um, 
I mean, I liked reading LeBron's uh, essay as well, but I'll go with um, Andrew Wiggins' uh, Cavs jersey mysteriously being unavailable on NBA.com. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was awesome. That was a really I, underrated moment. God, I got to say, you guys are all coming up with great moments. I mean, Tom, yours is the cliched one. Seriously, David and Robert, good moments. Nate, you got a lot to live up to. Favorite moment. Oh, how can you top the people camping out on LeBron's lawn and Bath? Uh, <laughs> I mean, the cars for miles on the roads and Bath. And I'm just like, I'm like, you idiots, get off LeBron's lawn. <laughs> You know, I, I just like, like I, why are I just you the old like, man of this podcast now, Nate? I felt like LeBron should come out in that in that white beard with Uncle Drew next to him in his bathrobe, you know, drinking his morning coffee, like get off my lawn. <laughs> <laughs> oh right. man, I didn't even I forgot about old LeBron. They need to bring old LeBron in with uh, Uncle Drew and West. That would be oh, the best. Oh, you know it's going to happen oh, now. Yeah, Marketing power. Oh man, those LeBron's commercials were pretty funny. I thought. So they yeah, I mean that back. that was definitely the highlight of my get, summer. They could just get Greg Oden to play old LeBron. They just got to get him out of jail. Uh, yeah, if Greg Oden isn't in prison by the time that happens. Wait, are uh, LeBron's not Pepsi though? Isn't he Coke? Oh, you're right. Oh no, what what are we gonna do? This needs and, to and happen. There's, and there's probably no company around that could afford a Kyrie Irving, Kevin Love, LeBron commercial. Seriously. Um, wait, <laughs> guys, I got to tell you, my favorite moment of the offseason is, is a continuing moment. It is Nate and Tom, like, vehemently defending every deli conversation <laughs> in the history of the world. Sorry. Because he's, a, he's awesome. Wait, wait, guys. I don't understand. Can, can I ask how many deli posters are hanging above your beds right now? Just. I need some deli posters. One, but it's, it's double-sided. <laughs> I still love, Robert, I still love that you, your title of your recap, the recap of the Washington Wizards game where the Cavs were down like 30 in the third quarter, and then they brought in Delhi, and he, you know, brought him back, got the energy up, and the title of your recap was, or you're not ready for this Delhi. I don't think you're really ready for this Delhi. I don't that think you're was, for this Delhi. Everyone's that was amazing. Like, you know, it's like a lightning bolt. You, you, the two of you have that to start amazing. the Delhi fan club. They're better. I, I want my Delhi fan club card in the mail as soon as this season starts. Seriously, you guys. <laughs> All right, moving oh. on. Um, let's talk a little bit about FIBA. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I didn't watch a lot. I know a bunch of us on this podcast did not watch a lot. Nate, you seem to be the most passionate about FIBA. Did you I, watch I a lot? Watch, I did watch a lot and it was a lot of fun. It's, it's fun to see summer basketball when you're jonesing for a basketball fix and it's not, and it, they're playing with passion unlike summer league. You know, a lot of those guys are NBA backup quality players, but they're playing hard and they're playing team ball and it's a lot of fun to watch. I really enjoyed watching Verjao. He looked really good. I mean, he looked like the Andy we've a healthy Andy that we've watched for the last five years. When Andy's at his best, he looked that good. Do you think I mean, he, he's gonna get worn down from all this though? I don't know. It's hard to say. His injuries are so fluke. Yeah, they're, I, I think, free, they're fluky. Yeah, that's true. Honestly, I think a lot of his problem 
and a lot of people have said this kind of under their breath. He hasn't always come into sh- into camp in the best shape. Yeah, yeah. He his uh, he has the the biggest the strongest game for the flabbiest arms in the NBA. It's true. You know. <laughs> yeah. So it, he looked really good, and he completely outplayed Nene, who's you know built like a tank, and he played better than Splitter too. But Nene, he was just light years better than Nene. So that made me really happy. Do you do you think Nate? Since you, I I know you watched a ton of it. Do you think this is Kyrie's win and and being the MVP means a lot for this Cavalier team, or is it something that we can just sort of put that put Kyrie in this? MVP was kind of really goofy. I he really didn't deserve it any more than James Harden. James Harden probably deserved the MVP more than Kyrie. What about Anthony Davis? Every time and, I took the box score, he had like 30 oh, points on seven and, and, shots. And Anthony Davis and uh, Kenneth Fareed, too. Oh, yeah. Uh, Anthony Davis was the best player for for the U.S. team. And the problem is they would forget he was on this team for long stretches and, and stop passing to him. But Kyrie was one of the guys that kept playing really well as the tournament went on late in the tournament, as, as well as James Harden. And he had his best game in the final game, and I think that's why he won the MVP. Because yeah. he was he was fresh in everyone's mind. But his defense was much better than I've seen it in the past. Much that's more engaged, good. much more... He was anticipating angles where the opposing offensive player's screen was coming from. And I've never seen him do that before. I mean, every other time, it just like... He just didn't even wasn't even aware that a screen could even come in the play and just would get completely taken out. And he was recovering. He was jumping, uh, jumping the pick and roll on defense. He looked really good. He was still floating a little bit off the ball, but it's the best defense I've seen him play. And if he can translate that to the regular season, but he can't be, you know, one of the worst defensive point guards in the league like he has been. Sorry, hold on one second, guys. I had a little bit of an error there again for some reason. My computer splits, fritzed out on that. Um, but we're good. Uh, David, I want to know, do you think that I – mean, you watched quite a bit of it too, if I'm not mistaken. Do, do you think that Delhi, Andy, and Kyrie will take a lot from this tournament in general and use it as something that will drive them in the regular season and the playoffs? I mean, if it's true, like, Andy comes into training camp, like, actually healthy, I think it's going to help out a lot. And then just Deli getting time to play, like, as the main man is definitely going to help. But, um, like, the thing watching Kyrie was, like, everything he did fit within the offense. Like, he wasn't trying to take over. Like, when he did take, like, a three, like, early in the shot clock, it, like, it looked right within what was going on, kind of. Right, right. And everything Steph was Curry cool. was really chucking especially early in the uh, early in FIBA and Kyrie played so much better than Steph Curry did it in, in a lot of those games. Robert, let me ask you, do you think that uh, what's your expectation coming out of this? Are you going to see a new Kyrie this season? Um, I mean, I, I, I wrote about this uh, right after the tournament. I think what's most exciting about Kyrie's performance is that we've seen him perform well with an extremely talented team in all-star settings where you know people don't tend to play defense 
And this was the first time we actually got to see him excel playing the point guard position um, against people who were trying to, you know, were trying to win, you know, that weren't, weren't just playing all-star brand of basketball. So um, whether that means we're going to see a different Kyrie, I'm not quite sure. I, I think it might, in his mind, like show him a model for what, what he could be this year. Um, you know, sort of a, a more traditional point guard, a guy who can make the pass, who can, you know, can use his extremely good ball handling skills in particular moments instead of just over dribbling every possession down the floor. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I thought it was I thought it was very encouraging, and it, it doesn't mean that we're going to see Kyrie be, like explode into um, you know a twenty five point ten assist type of uh, point guard, but he looked like a guy who could control a really talented team, which was really really that would that was a big question of mine going into the into the tournament. All right, Tom. Scale of 1 to 10, Delhi, Andy, Kyrie, how much impact will FIBA have on their careers from here on out? Just 1 to 10, I want numbers. Uh, Delhi, 4, Verizal, 1, Kyrie, <laughs> 8. Wow, Kyrie, 8. Wow, I did not expect that. Well, I sort, of, I sort of agree with Robert's sentiment. I wrote about this in our five on six or six on seven or whatever it was. Um, there are certain types of NBA players that like Kobe is my favorite example. You could put Kobe on a team of literally D league players and he's going to score 30 points and shoot 44 to 46%. He's going to chuck, but he's going to make enough of them that you think, Oh, it's Kobe. He's so great. You put him on a team with Gasol and with you know Odom and Bynum and all these other guys, you put this 60-win supporting cast around him, and he's going to score 30 points and shoot, maybe instead of 44%, he's going to shoot 45%. It doesn't really change his game. He still wants the ball in the same spots. Right. He doesn't necessarily make his teammates better. And what we've seen from Kyrie in these All-Star games is it's sort of like everyone's focusing on LeBron and Durant and Kobe and Carmelo. And all of a sudden, it's like, oh, my gosh, Kyrie's hit seven straight threes. You know, and all of a sudden, it's like he kind of sneaks up on you. And we've seen that in all these little tiny increments of meaningless games. We've seen this in those YouTube videos that came out last summer where he's, like, practicing with Team USA. And he's getting down low to the ground and dribbling through all these guys' legs. And he's acting like a kid that's trying to show his, like, older brothers that, hey, I got game. Right? But the problem is those aren't meaningful games. Now... You look at FIBA, and I'm really encouraged to hear that he's playing great defense. But if he's going to improve his efficiency vastly when he's surrounded by these quality teammates, that's, that's awesome. That's exactly what we need because LeBron and Kevin Love are going to be the guys that are going to demand more. They're going to demand more attention than Kyrie Irving because they're better players. They're more proven players and they're better players. So if now he has space to operate and he's not dealing with double teams which double teams just destroyed him last year because he can't pass out of them he's not good passing out of double teams he dribbles into corners so if he's not seeing the kinds of defenses anymore that are really trying to you know 
last year it was like carries the head of the snake, you know, cut it off, and the Cavs aren't going to do anything. Well, that's not going to be the situation this year. So if he can raise his game and especially raise his efficiency, that's that's exact. I mean, that's what this showed me is that he played well again and when he was surrounded by top quality players. Yeah, exactly. The other Nate, thing that was yeah, really Nate, great wait, about Nate, I want to ask you something. Continue okay. what you're going to say, but I want I want you to include this in this. Do you think this means that Kyrie is going to move into serious elite status? And then we're going to move on from this topic. Say what you want to say, but also include that in what you're going into. Well, the great thing about his FIBA was Kyrie did not have to have a great box score to have a great game. Right, and that honestly and, feeds into what I'm saying. Right, and and the Cavs are going to have to have games like that from everybody this year because there is not going to be enough points to go around on this team. I mean, between Love and Kyrie and LeBron, you're talking 65, 70 points a game uh, just between those three guys. And then There's, you include Mike Miller, Anderson Barajow, Tristan Thompson, and Dion Waiters. Yeah. I mean, there's just not going to be enough points to go around. Uh, so guys, score 150 a game. Guys are going to have to score less points and be more content with just winning and doing the other things that it takes to win if the Cavs are going to be great. So that's what I was really happy to see about his FIBA performance. And... What was the other part of that question? Elite status. Is he going to be an elite oh. player now? If he can get his defense to at least average, yeah, he's he's an elite player. Wow. I, I, that's, I mean, short and sweet, seriously. All right, guys. So, I mean, obviously there have been a lot of great players that have joined this Cavaliers team. But let's not forget about the guys that, that helped us through the last four years cj miles alonzo g anthony bennett i mean we could get to wiggins in a moment but those three guys especially alonzo g and cj to a certain degree um are gone uh david what i mean uh, rehash your favorite memories and then what what hold, what's your you know what does the future future hold for these guys Oh, i am like i loved alonzo g for all the wrong reasons but <laughs> just like uh Watching, like, the Cavs games while I was at college and stuff on crappy, like, online streams and stuff. And you see, like, Alonzo G catch the ball in the corner for the three. And, like, you're just wondering, is he going to just chuck it or just run to the rim and do, like, a ridiculous dunk? And then having the, like, feed cuts out, like, cutting out all the time is just <laughs> so bizarre to watch Alonzo G. Because he's either, like, throwing the worst three-point shot or, like, dunking from, like, ten feet away from the hoop. And, like, he has... He just has no, like, I don't There's know. There's no in-between games. Yeah, he could not make anything work. Like, it was – he's a bizarre player to watch. Uh, and then – What uh, about CJ? I, CJ is fun to watch because he goes off. Like, not enough people got to see him, like, because he was on the cast. But he'll have, like, crazy nights where he makes, like, four or five threes in a row and just does, he, like – He's got the record now for most threes in a like game that. for a cab. Do you guys remember yeah. that uh, – that Toronto Raptors game, I, it was like, I feel like it was like a February game, either last year or the year before, where he had like 35 points. He just randomly went off. I was watching it at like a crappy bar somewhere on the Upper East Side. And I think it was like Rathbones for those listening who know New York City. I mean, this bar is like, it, they have great wings. That's what I'll say. Um, on, I think it was Mallory, like, I had a lunch at Rathbones uh, Monday. Sorry, review what you said. Robert, you there? Oh, I just said I had uh, I, I had lunch at Rathbones on Monday. That's really funny. It's like good wings. 
Um, yeah. <laughs> anyway, can- yeah, yeah. I mean, so do you, and, and, you know, summarize this, I guess, with everyone. David, what does the future hold for these guys? Is C.J. Miles going to be a serious contributor on the Indiana Pacers? Uh, you know what? He might be, like, he might surprise the league this year just because with Paul George out, who's really going to score for him? I mean, who's, like, who's really going to do anything for them? Yeah, that, that could be pretty interesting to watch. What about G? Where is G now? I actually I, can't even tell I think, you. I think he's in Sacramento, right? <laughs> wait, wait, what? Is he actually in Sacramento? Nate? Can you, can you verify? Oh, jeez, I I have no OG, idea now. Oh, gee, <laughs> I'm like his, I'm, I'm his sure. contract was traded like five more times. Wait, yeah, so, he's the Sacramento uh, King. Wow, nice, nice, David. I mean, do you, do you think he's going to be a serious contributor on Sacramento? Ah, uh, probably not. No, but I was <laughs> I was worried when he was on the Rockets that they were going to make him into something useful because Caspi was kind of useful. Wait, on he the was Rockets. on the Rockets. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I miss this. Wait, what? Um, Tom, of those four guys, who has, uh, or sorry, I don't want to include Wiggins into this because it's just hard to think of him in the same sentence. Between Miles, G, and Bennett, who has the most impact this season? Oh, CJ Miles. He's really? A, yeah, I mean, he, he had a great year last year. I think if you look at his career numbers, um, he's been kind of on a steady, very gentle, steady uptick his whole career. Last year was his, you know, he only played, I don't know, about a thousand minutes. But statistically, it was definitely his best season. And the difference uh, this past year versus previous years was he was a lot more aggressive and he was a better defensive player. He got his hand on more balls. He got more, he was a better defensive rebounder. It was always a little bit frustrating the first season watching CJ Miles. Because, yeah, he could have those games where he'd go off for points, but you always got the sense with him that if he wasn't hitting threes, he was making you worse. And last year was the first time where that wasn't true at all. Just having him on the court, the Cavs were such a better team with him on the court than with him off the court. And not only was it because of his floor spacing abilities opened up the floor and the fact that he was an efficient shooter, but he did a lot of other things. He was the Cavs' um, most prolific transition player last year he scored the most percentage of his points in transition of anyone on the team can i ask um, tom was he a good defender last season he was he was a lot better than in previous years i i i'm really happy for him that he earned a, a nice contract because he deserved it you know i mean being on the those Cavs teams for two years making two million dollars a year he definitely outperformed that and, yeah, uh, I feel like we all used to sit here and talk about how uh, Mike Brown was out of his mind for not playing C.J. Miles more. I mean, what was yeah. that, that was a topic of conversation I feel like we all touched on way too often. Um, well, Nate, then he did start, and then he did start playing him, and then he got hurt. So, right. yeah. Nate, let me ask you, between Bennett and Wiggins, uh, who's going to have the most impact this season? <laughs> Or, uh, is that a real? Is that a real? Yeah, question? come on, Bennett looked decent, right? I'm, well, I'm, let me let me just touch on on CJ Miles real quick. CJ Miles, one of the strangest career arcs in the NBA. He's 27, but he's a nine year veteran because yeah. he was one of the very last players to come out as a high schooler. Right. Um. So he just, I mean, he didn't get double digit scoring till like his sixth season. And then, like, last year was his best year as his ninth season in the NBA. So I, I would love to see him succeed. But as for Wiggins and Bennett, I think Wiggins 
I Bennett, now that he's gone, I can say I don't think he'll ever be <laughs> any good. We don't in have the to NBA, be delusional but, anymore. No, we don't. Right. I mean, I for the best. He is a he is a poor imitation of Derek Williams. Wow, so, and, Ouch. And, that's a little hard. Ouch. He's like Derek Williams' game with like half the basketball IQ. Come on, <laughs> I mean, have you ever, ever he was seen a guy that gets the ball? Yeah, but just the way, like watching him in summer league, he cannot get a mid-range jumper up fast enough. I mean, he just, if he's inside that arc and he's open, it doesn't matter if there's 20 seconds left on the shot clock or two. He is throwing that ball up as quick as he can. I it was just so, It was surreal watching him last year because he was playing so poorly. Yeah. And like, I, I, Nate, you play a lot of pickup ball. I play every now and then. If I go onto a court and I airball like my first two shots, I'm done shooting. Yeah. Like, exactly. I am done shooting. Like, I'm going to box out. I'm going to, you know, try to, I'm going to play really aggressive defense. Gonna I'm going to look deli. to pass. I'm done. Yeah, I'm going to be <laughs> deli. I'm done shooting threes. And it was like, you know, it's like the 10th game of the season. And there's already Anthony Bennett career, you know, highlight videos showing his like first 50 shots where he's one of 50. And you're right. Every time he gets the ball, he's just like, time to shoot. And it's like, dude, <laughs> dude, like, <laughs> do something different. Yeah. Uh, Robert, well, let me was, ask you. Oh, well, let me finish that yeah, thought. Finish, so finish. Wiggins, I think, is going to have a real decent rookie season. He, They're going to set him up to be the man in Minnesota. And who's coaching Minnesota now? Is Flip. it any? Oh, that's right. <laughs> Never mind. I, ignore what I just said. <laughs> no. Who, who's the coach there? I honestly don't. Flip know. Saunders. Oh, Flip oh, yeah, Saunders, no, Flip, the man who has gotten more second chances than any coach in the NBA. I mean, oh, I, Flip Saunders was the GM. Wait, wait yeah, you guys, he is. You guys didn't He's love also those the Wizards teams. You didn't love the Wizards oh, wow. teams. Of I the, mean, the guy, sur- the guy survived Arena Skate. How? And now he's coaching <laughs> GM of the of the Timberwolves. I, I, how does that happen? But no, I mean Wiggins. My big thing on him, I was really jonesing for Wiggins over Love, and the fact that he didn't fight to stay on the Cavs kind of made me lose a little respect for him. Like. He would rather have gone and been the man in a no in a nothing NBA city like Minnesota than compete for a championship with the best player in the league. And that to me says, eh, I don't know how good he's going to be. Wait, 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 Nate, I got to ask you this. this wait, pause, guys. Nate, does this mean that you're on the love train? <laughs> People Are you going to start world? a love train? A love train. Join hands, everybody. Yeah, we got Nate finally. Woo! All right. Here's here's the thing about Wiggins, and I mean, I was a Wiggins guy, but I I noticed this was how this was basically the timeline of how Cavs fans talked about Wiggins. Right, two years ago, it was me on a podcast going, "We don't want to be good next year because we want Andrew Wiggins." Have you seen this guy? He looks like LeBron, but with a better offensive game. That was when he was in high school. And we were watching YouTube videos. Right then, by the end of his season, we're thinking. Oh, man, Wiggins, he's got so many holes in his game. We need this Joel Embiid because Wiggins can't go <laughs> left and he can't dribble and he's inefficient and he looks a lot more like Harrison Barnes than the next LeBron James, right? Then we draft Wiggins and it's suddenly like this guy's this transcendent player and then it's like we get LeBron and it's, oh, my gosh, this guy next to LeBron, it's going to be just outrageous. He's going to you know, be somehow the next he, LeBron with LeBron. Yeah. 
And then in <laughs> summer league, he throws down like two amazing dunks, shoots extremely poorly, and we're all like, oh man, this guy, he's like the future. And then we trade him for Kevin Love and no one's talking about him anymore. So I think yeah, I think I think, you know, we don't really know. I think Wiggins could be a really nice player. Um, but I'm not sure he's on Kevin Love's level. All right, Robert, we'll ever, you've been we'll silent for be. a while. Robert, I want to know, who are the Cavs going to miss the most? C.J. Miles, Alonzo G., or Anthony Bennett? Which player do you think they should have attempted to keep? I mean, of those, really? None of, none of the above is also an option. <laughs> well, or, or of the, guy, or of the other guys. The answer is Spencer Hawes, if you're going to. Uh, oh, oh, good uh, answer. American, good. American Patriot, Spencer Hawes. I don't know, Tyler Zeller. Yeah, oh, I mean, Zeller. yeah, I mean, I would say it would be one, it would be either Hawes or Zeller over any of the any of those others. Um, I mean, I think C.J. Miles is in a, a really nice spot to have you know continue a nice career with Indiana. It's unfortunate that. The Paul George injury has kind of skewed what what that team's success uh, level can be, but uh, yeah, I mean, summer league Anthony Bennett looked a lot better than he did last year, but he still has a ways to go, and and uh, you know, I mean, uh, Nate's right. We we've all we've been able to cut a little bit of the emotional cord, and uh, <laughs> I mean, Nate joined the love that, train, so. Well, I, I mean, and I will miss Gumdrop Bear as, as <laughs> my just the most comical player I've ever seen on an NBA court. Wait, um, and, and, and and which is not to say I don't think he's he's horrible. I don't think that no that there's no hope for him. But um, yeah, I mean, if you're looking objectively at what he was doing in summer league, um, yeah, he's still not there. He's still not no. where. Would you want? But can you think of a comparable? Go go ahead, Uh, Nate. That wasn't me. Oh, that was me. Can you, Robert? Can you think of a comparison to Bennett, where it's like, here's a guy that was just so abysmal, and then he got you know like number one pick type good. Well, I mean, no, no, I don't think I don't I don't think number one pick type good, but I think if. I don't know. You know, I think about guys like Kurt Thomas, who like had an amazing like scoring and rebounding. He he won the scoring and rebounding uh, titles in college, and has to kind of work his way from the bottom up. Like it's 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 different. It's not someone who's been picked number one and comes back to do that, but it is someone who um, has to figure out a different place for himself at the NBA level, which Bennett may still do. Um, but no, I mean, you know, he's not going to be the next Larry Johnson, which, uh, you know, we all like to uh, talk ourselves into at the time of the draft. Speaking of which, just side note, uh, I was at a bar earlier today playing NBA Jam from like 2000 or 2000, sorry, 1995 or whatever year that arcade version came out with Larry Johnson in it. So that just reminded me of that. Yeah. Um, all right, David, let me ask you this. What happens to Tyler Zeller's career? I he's going to be a role player. I think he'll land, he'll end up being on a team and like actually contributing off the bench. I don't what's think he'll it, what's, ever What's his ceiling? Uh, uh, maybe like 10 points, like 6 rebounds a game. Well, I mean, that's pretty good impact. You're talking like a, a sixth man to a certain degree there. You think he'll? Yeah, he could. 
Yeah, he could be like a six man on like a four seed or fifth seed team. I think he 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 cuts to the rim. He plays hard. That's the biggest thing for a big guy. He's always running, which is a big deal. Yeah, and he can finish. He's a he's a crafty finisher with both hands, which is just not that common. Right. Um, he improved a lot. Brad Brad Stevens is going to be great for him. Could could he be like splitter maybe? Is that yeah, well, he's, he's, he's a better shooter though. Splitter can't hit that mid range shot. Yeah, but shot. he yeah. also doesn't have the muscle that Splitter has. Come on. Yeah. All right, yeah, but he is seven. I mean, he is legit seven feet tall. I I want to move on to something that I'm obsessed with. I mean, n- now that I've got everyone's attention, guys, it's time to join the love train. I'm gonna play like love train right now. It's in the background. <laughs> um, seriously, let's talk a little bit about Kevin Love. Uh, first off, is he gonna go with a shaved head? Is he going to, like, do the little, like, you know, messy hair look that I've been trying to rock for five years but I can't do? Hipster beard, is that going to happen, or is he going to have a mustache? I mean, is he going to score 50 points a game? What's uh, Nate, come on. I know you want to talk about this. What are we expecting I, from Love? I, I really want to see the velour jacket. <laughs> um, the Cavs, and, the old school Cavs velour jacket. Yeah, which I think there's a, the, there's a poster of him in one uh, downtown Cleveland now. And I I really want to see him rock that, and just I want the clean face, but with the ironic mustache with a little curl at the end. Perfect. A uh, little handlebar. Uh, little the mini handlebar. Tom, what about his hairstyle? What are we gonna get from Kevin Love? I think he's gonna stick with that um, sort of like long enough to be curly, short enough to not be bouncy. Sort of the. Uh, the Joaquin messy hair look. Phoenix. It's like the messy the, the wa- It's the Joaquin Phoenix in there Gladiator you go. hair yeah. look. Um, Robert, I'm going to ask you, is he going to score 1,000 points a game this season? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Clearly. Um, no, I mean, I think he's, he's – it's going to be – yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see um, exactly how the point – the points get spread out between he, LeBron, and and Kyrie, and um, yeah, I think that he he's still going to average over twenty points a game. I think he's going to get over ten rebounds a game. It's going to be really efficient. It's going to be really uh, it's going to be really fun. David, over under over under rather on the number of games that Kevin Love plays this season. I I think he'll make it through a full season because he's not. It's not going to be as much like. Kind of, it's not all on him this year. So he'll be able to play a little more relaxed, I think. Kind of slack off a little bit and hopefully not get goofy injuries. Do we have any final words on Kevin Love? Nate, you want to get anything else in there about that hipster beard he's been rocking? Um, I think the over-under is is on how many different hairstyles Kevin Love is going to rock this year. He <laughs> <laughs> uh, has the most hairstyles of any Cavalier this year, is it Love? I don't know, but I mean the Cavs are gonna have an all hair team. Oh, they are. And, they are. I mean, they've got Lou Amundsen, who uh, Andy. Runs, <laughs> who sports that ridiculous ponytail. They've got Mike Miller, one of the great hairstyle okay. like Mike Miller, the greatest WNBA center ever. <laughs> <laughs> he looks like a car mechanic. <laughs> They have Deli. Come on, Deli. They have Deli. He does the messy hair look better than anyone. Yeah, they have. They have 
secretly re- receding LeBron. Oh, come on. You can't say that now. Everyone says it's like it's coming back again. Oh, he got hair plugs. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, okay. and I mean, like, who else? Andy, obviously. Andy, obviously. Like, have you seen Andy with a ponytail? It's, it's painful. I hope he doesn't wear it during the games, but I've seen him like on the bench or other. Oh, it's it looks like Joachim Noah's older sister. I mean, it's just it's really painful when Andy wears a ponytail. So I'm I'm hoping or when he grows the beard. So I'm hoping neither of those happen. Does it look like but, Noah's sister or Noah's dad? <laughs> it looks more like Noah's well, dad. It's Yannick. Totally. <laughs> oh, it does. Yeah, I never even thought of that. All right, guys. Yeah, good call. Here's the, let's move on to something that I'm very passionate about. <laughs> NBA 2K. We all know I've, I've voiced this way too many times. I, I, Despite the fact that I can't even get to my apartment before 10 p.m. on a normal basis, I still play way too much of, of that video game. NBA 2K15. Are, is the Cavs the are the Cavs the only team that you're going to play with? Is that Cavs starting lineup the lineup that you go with? What trades are you going to make, uh, Nate? What what's what are you going to do with this team? Oh, uh, as much as I love Andy, he's a terrible NBA two K player. Uh, yeah, I mean, he is. for one season he's okay. No, no, but I mean he's not a player that translates well to NBA 2K. So you're starting Love at center. You're starting LeBron at the four. You're playing Kyrie, uh, Dion at the two, and then probably Mike Miller at the three who can just drain wide open threes. And then as as long as anyone gets the ball besides Mike Miller, you just run down the court every time. I uh, mean, I- am I wrong on that assessment, anyone? I, I think you're pretty accurate. Uh David, if you had to make one trade in NBA 2K15, who are you trading for, and who are you trading? Oh, I, I don't even know. I might trade Verjao for, like, Larry Sanders or someone. Like, oh, I know, oh, David. You, 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 you love, love Larry, Larry Sanders. I love Larry Sanders. Sanders. He is well, toxic. And, and, he is and toxic. Larry, yeah, but in We're the talking NBA, NBA 2K15. No, it's a great NBA 2K trade. I'll give him that. Because he can just dunk and catch oops. Ah, uh, you're right yeah. on there. Robert, what is... Uh, or actually, you know, I'm going to save this question for Tom. Robert, what's the <laughs> ultimate... Yeah, Tom, you know who I'm going to be asking you about. Don't even think you don't. <laughs> um, Robert, what is the ultimate NBA 2K15 lineup this season? Uh, um... If you had to put any player from any any five players from any team together, okay, so it's um, LeBron, Durant, Kevin Love, Chris Paul, and Anthony one? Davis. Huh? Anthony oh, Davis. Anthony Davis. You think Anthony Davis is going to be ranked that high? Yeah, yeah, It'll no, be that's like probably a true. Years. That's probably true. Yeah. Well, um, yeah. So I mean, you know, if we can go with uh, you know four forwards and a point card, that would that's what I would do. <laughs> yeah, whatever. You know, you could you could switch Duran over to the two. Come on, sure, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, um, that's, that's throwback Duran. All right, all right, Tom. How many minutes are you playing Delhi in a game? <laughs> <laughs> all right, I think you go twelve to eighteen. Wow, you're I playing think, 18 minutes a game for Delhi. <laughs> this is what you got. This is what I don't you got. Under, 
I don't understand how you're not playing 18 minutes a game. I know. In NBA 2K15. Oh, in NBA 2K15. <laughs> oh, you're talking about man. real life. Oh, I'm talking about real life. Well, if it's just a video game, I'm playing them 48 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he is your he is your all-time best. How many points are you scoring with him? Yeah, you know, I got to be honest. Like, the only I only play, like, the sort of the 2D basketball game so nba jam nba jam is actually a woefully bad game it's just the controls the controls are bad but there was a game that came out by midway not too long after that called nba hang time and i love that game and that's the game where you can do alley-oops and so i uh yeah so if i was delhi i'd just be spotting to the corner and if they uh if they skip the defenders on me tight i'll alley-oop it to uh Whoever, you know, LeBron, and if not, I'd just be splashing corner threes. Delhi shot 46% last year on corner threes. So let's walk into the real world, Mallory. And the reason you're playing Delhi is because he's one of the few guys that has the skill sets that you need to coincide with high usage guys. And that he defends really well. He moves the ball well. His assist to turnover ratio is good. And he splashes corner threes. And he's not a bad finisher. Wait, wait, wait. But he's a, he's a. He's a terrible it. finisher. We could so summarize he's not. this in not. literally, like... He's got that little floater, Nate. What are you talking about? Three <laughs> letters, guys. Three and ampersand D. That's three, it, right? Three, three and D. D. That's all we needed to say. All right. Three, three DP. But usually three, but usually three and D guys are, are small forwards. And he's... I mean, he can handle the ball. So you have all kinds of... Marion... Verjao and Delhi are the three guys that give you a lot of lineup flexibility. Well, so and and Tom, let's save this for next week because we're going to do a training camp preview. So we don't want to get too much into the I nuts cannot and wait bolts. For that, by the way, guys. And, and also next week, Tom will upload the Cavs roster to uh, 1988's Double Dribble, and yeah. so uh, he will he will review the Cavs roster in Double Dribble. So Double Dribble. Also, Tom will be selling homemade Delhi T-shirts. <laughs> I mean, I still play. I still play the. I still play the original Tech Mobile because Super Tech Mobile is too complicated for me. <laughs> I just. I just want four plays. That's it. I don't want like sixteen plays. It's ridiculous. Um, guys, favorite beer of the summer. Nate, go ahead. Okay, I'm gonna give you a favorite beer, favorite album. Yeah, favorite... No, I was gonna go an album next. So. Okay. Okay. Favorite beer. Uh, we've been do. My family does a week in the West Coast of Michigan every year. And Sagatuck Brewing Company Neapolitan Milk Stout wow. tastes like chocolate, vanilla, and strawberry stout. It's unbelievable. Wow. I, I'm not even familiar with that one. David, I, David, I know you're a huge hophead. What are you going to say? Uh, I'm actually picking uh, Aviator Brewing, the Devil's Tramping Ground Triple. I have no it idea is- what you just said. What is all of that? I've did, Aviator, what is this brewery? I think it's like a North Carolina brewery or brewery. Virginia or something but they have this like this triple that's 9.2 percent that it seriously is the most refreshing like crisp beer i've ever had like for a triple it, yeah it it's insane it's the most dangerous beer ever <laughs> can i ask you have you had any hop drop and roll yet no i haven't is that that no brewery yeah you gotta go you gotta i mean you're where you're in raleigh right no, I'm in Winston, like an hour out of Charlotte, which is where that brewery's at. Right, I yeah, I, I visited Charlotte. So I've had a, I've had a pretty busy summer of travel. I've been to Atlanta, I've been to Charlotte, 
I've been to San Francisco and sort of like through that trip went to um, Lagunitas and also to Russian River, which is, I mean, how do you even compare with that? Um, and I was just in Houston and uh, we'll get to me in a second. Robert, best beer you've had this summer. Uh, there's a thing called Miller High Life that's real. <laughs> <laughs> Robert, it's, best it's, whiskey you've had this summer. <laughs> Robert, how, how many, um, how many, how many mind erasers have you had I, I this actually, summer, Robert? <laughs> I, I have a serious reply to this, which I think uh, you might be proud of. Um, last weekend, I was at my brother-in-law's wedding, and he had uh, Goose Island Matilda. Oh, oh excellent great. beer. Those which is good. a Belgian style uh, ale, which I did not think that I would like because I don't like a lot of Belgian stuff. Uh, but I thought it was fantastic. Yeah, um, so awesome. that is my that's my beer of the summer. And album of the summer is the newly released Delta Spirit album, Into the Wide. I can't believe you love that album so much. They they did a session at my office. I, mm -hmm. I mean, I've been vaguely familiar with them, and they blew me away live. So yeah. What, yeah, was it, what was the name of the band, Robert? Delta Spirit. What's that? Delta Spirit. Delta Spirit. Okay. All right, Tom. I, I know you. I know you're not the biggest beer fan, although Allagash White's your favorite. Do you have anything this year that blew you away? Yeah. So when I was out in California, I thought I was going to get a chance to drink Russian River, and it is literally impossible to find. I think yeah. unless you are at their brewery. But I did have a beer um, from Iceland. The company is called Einstock. And I had uh, I know what that is. <laughs> yeah, I had an I had an Einstock Icelandic white ale, and it was it was excellent. I really enjoyed it. Wow, and, going a little foreign here. Yeah, well, I got it. I got it in Monterey um, at a you know just a, a craft beer store. It was kind of limited, um, but then on my way back, you know, we flew out through San Jose. And we actually looked online for a place that said they served they had Russian River. And when we drove up. There were like Russian River uh, banners. We walk in, and the guy's like, "We don't have any." I'm like, "What?" <laughs> and he goes, "Well, we all, you know, we get it, and it's gone in a couple hours, and uh, the, the supply is so low. I'm not sure what those guys. I guess they just don't want to expand or something." But uh, I can yeah, tell you firsthand that brewery, like you, you walk up to it, it's in the middle of a mini mall. <laughs> what? Yeah. Oh, it's mind blowing. Russian River has done the most amazing job of hyping their beers up. And look, Pliny is awesome. I have six bottles of their sours just sitting in my apartment waiting to be consumed because I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to do with them. Russian River, the brewery itself, is not the most enjoyable location in the world. It's in the middle of nowhere in Northern California. It's well, that's kind of like uh, Three Floyds. Yeah, yeah. right. It's uh, very similar to Three Floyds. All right, so I've had a lot of beer this summer. Again, I've been to a ton of different places. I got to say that Noda is awesome. Hop, drop, and roll blew my mind. The beer that I was most impressed over, I actually don't even know where I'm going with this right now. I'm just going to let my mind take <laughs> me there. Um, yeah, seriously. It's like, you know, trying to think back on all of it. I got to tell you guys. You've got your beer Ouija board in front of you. Yeah, I'm letting, I'm letting the hand guide me. I have to tell everyone, I honestly think the best beer that I've had, I had two growlers of this. When I went to visit my mother in Columbus, Ohio, hands down, Bodie by Columbus Brewing Company. I think what Columbus Brewing Company in general is doing is brilliant. I think that beer is the most unique, refreshing, like, I mean, just unbelievably diverse flavor profile of any beer I've ever had. 
if you guys are anywhere near Columbus or Cleveland for that matter, go and seek out Bodie. It's incredible. Buy Columbus. How do you drink. spell it? B O D H I. Okay. That beer, I I I drank an entire crawler of that beer, sixty four ounces, by myself in one sitting. This is a nine percent beer. I, I didn't feel great the next day. I'm going to tell you that right now, um, because I I brought two growlers back, shared one with like a bunch of my beer nerd friends, and then couldn't figure out where I wanted to bring the last one, so I just ended up drinking it on my own. Um, it's a it's a phenomenal beer. It's awesome. Um, you know, I've been doing the sour thing. There is a big event at uh, Ginger Man in New York City for the brewery. That's B-R-U-E-R-Y. Um, and I had some pretty crazy beers from them as well, like uh, Eau de Tarte or Eau de Tarte, um, which was great from 2013 or 2012. But, you know, I got to say, it's all about the Columbus Brewing Company. Guys, any final parting words? I mean, we're well, albums, albums. All right, albums. Everyone go really quickly. Robert, we know it's Delta Spirit for you. David, best album of the year. Off the top of your head, just boom. Don't think about it. Uh, the New Souls of Mischief, There's Only Now. Uh, Tom, I know you're into like the online mixes. What are you doing? Tom? No, Tom. <laughs> Tom's out. I'm just not music with you guys. I, I try to find something. I'm out. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, uh, I, this is the hardest question in the world for me. I, I am super psyched about the new Alche. That's, that's what I got to say. Alche, all the way. Come on, let's do it. Right, guys? <laughs> new right. pornographers, Brill Bruisers. Really? God, Brill Bruisers. I saw them I love play. Love that album. I saw them play a show in the Brill building. It was pretty incredible, I have to say. It was awesome. Also, I mean, Nico Case. She's like mid-40s. Looks amazing. My seat. What? My secret crush. Oh, uh, yeah. She's my, awesome. my not-so-secret crush. Yeah, not anymore. Guys. I, I've seen her like a dozen times. Yeah, so. and she's mind-blowing every time, right? Yeah, she is. She really, really. I mean, that, that alt-country thing is uh, it's in. And then for those of you in Northeast Ohio... Um, who who are still listening because no one is still listening. Yeah, yeah, time. yeah. No, you know what's really funny is I'm sure there are people out there that are like, yes, they're talking about popular culture. Um, I just blanked <laughs> on the girl's name um, from Northeast Ohio, who's like basically the the Nico Case of Northeast Ohio. But yeah, Chrissy Hind. No, nah, yeah, Chrissy Hind, exactly. No, um, like all country superstar. She's really young. She's playing a session in my office in like a week or two. Um, someone's going to know who she is. She's from Akron. If you know who she is and you got this far in the podcast, write it in the comments section and make me feel stupid because I want that. Um, guys, thanks for listening. We're really close. We are a month off. Keep tuned to the website. I am sure there's going to be at least 10,000 more mentions of Delhi before the season starts. Probably all from Tom and Nate. Um, <laughs> uh, and, and David will go on rants about how Larry Sanders should be on this team. So and and then, and then <laughs> Robert will be the uh, the wise old voice of reason. <laughs> um, Thank you. Thank you, Mallory. That, that, that feels good. Uh, um, and then I, of course, will be as crazy as always. Keep listening. We're going to have a new podcast in a, a couple of days, uh, summing up what's coming up into this season. So thanks for listening again, guys. And as always, go Cavs. Go Cavs. Go Cavs. Go Cavs. Thank you for listening to Cavs the Blogs podcast. Check back soon for some more fun with your favorite bloggers.